welcome to Women's Cricket Chat. I'm Hannah. And I'm Alexandra, Alex for short. Coming up on today's podcast, we've got rising journalist Radha Gupta. Now, Radha is already making serious waves in sports journalism and in women's sport and women's cricket at just 20 years old. Having seen that there was a lack of coverage of women's sport and women's cricket, it inspired her to set up her own platform, She Talks Ball. Here, Radha talks to us about her journey so far. So first of all, if you just want to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about everything you're up to at the moment. Right. Um, My name is Radha. I'm a 20-year-old student from India and I grew up in Mumbai. I So I've had that big city experience and I grew up playing whatever sport I could. You know, I would just go down and catch the boys who were playing and say, like, I'm going to play with you. And um, I got into cricket. It's big in India. I mean, it's hard to miss it. And uh, football was another sort of big sport that I took up, especially as school offered it. So that was that was really big for me. And um, basically, I wouldn't study too much. I would just play all the time. And I played cricket in my colony or in my society with a leather ball, with pads. I had everything. And I was I was pretty good, even if I may say so myself but there was really no pathway that I could see you know getting to a higher level I just I don't see that there's any sort of grassroots development of women's cricket in India too much so I steered away to football I represented my school my district things like that and yeah things just went on and um, I found myself in college playing for my college team we had an intra-college cricket game so I took part in that I made the most runs got some prize money and all I was pretty happy but I've had this sort of intervention in the last nine or ten months when it was a silver lining of staying at home I realized that there's no women's sport on TV and I, I just wondered that what's happening there like I've, I've played it I've seen my friends play it but I don't see anyone above me who plays it and it just blew my mind that I'd grown up just watching men and just watching their sports and their teams and I realized that there is this space and I think you know you both have realized it as well and that's that's how we sort of connected that there is a space that needs to be explored that needs to be developed that is women in sports you know, enhancing it, covering it more. And yeah, I really started just volunteering with organizations, like a freak, sort of freak incident. And I started volunteering with a few organizations. And yeah, eventually, you know, December rolled around and I got offered a freelance job with Women's Crick Zone, which is sort of an established women's sporting platform globally now, I would say. So that was really cool. And um, I have my semester break going on. So I've been working on that. But once my semester kicks off, I'll still continue to do that because it's something that I really enjoy doing. And hopefully plan to do something similar in the future too. I think we're quite similar in that respect because for me so I grew up playing cricket and everything I got to kind of the 17 18 year kind of bracket and if we didn't kind of have the structures back then either like here in England and stuff like if you didn't go off to university to like an MCC university you would end up kind of like not really playing much because the club scene was dying out to be fair like a real lack of opportunity so I did exactly the same I just focused on playing football and having fun. But yeah tell us a little bit more about like not having those kind of opportunities, how did it make you feel at that kind of age? Yeah, I I tell this to everyone, I was heartbroken. Like I was completely crushed, especially because I was 16 years old and India had reached the ODI World Cup final and we were playing versus England at Lords. And I was like, wait, we can do this. Like this is something that India can do. They haven't done it ever. So, and that was sort of the phase where I peaked playing cricket with my, you know, friends and my, even in school, I would play a bit, but I I just told my parents, I I just want to do this. I, I, you know, I'll find a training facility. I'll find a coach. I'll do this. I'll do that. But I just want to do this. Just look at these women. I want to be like them. And 
they said like you know we want to support you they've always supported me but it was just that they couldn't see any path where i really couldn't see any path when i was wondering that you know fair enough like they say that you know will it be financially stable i said i have no idea they said they have no idea either and i didn't know anyone who i could even ask if this was a pathway right because i'd never seen any advertisements i'd never seen any sort of brochures any academies in my town and um, i was completely crushed and i in fact i went to my coach in school the boys cricket team coach and i said do you have any sort of contact of an academy coach or someone i can go to and he said wait you want to like you want to play and i said yeah i want to play and he said i really don't know you know um i i told him about the world cup and how i like got my family to watch the game and everything and he said like yeah i i get where you're coming from and i used to play like with him a bit in in school and he said i really don't know i don't i don't know of any women's academy you know even with a male coach even with a female coach i just don't know and i said yeah even i don't know and if, and if he didn't know then there was no way of me knowing and that's like a phase that i was really crushed but i said that there's something there is some energy or some sort of passion within me that i can convert into if not playing sort of covering the game in a way that the next generation then doesn't have to face that sort of heartbreak and they do see a pathway early on enough i can really relate to that because growing up asian in england you always get stigmatized in a sense that you have to be a doctor you have to be an accountant you have to go down all these routes so i'm quite lucky in the fact that like your family my family are also quite supportive because i know sometimes with certain people and certain ethnicities it is really difficult to break away from that trend so how have you found it going into the world of sports journalism and in specific cricket journalism Yeah, you know, it's very interesting because I'm still very new to the space and anyone who I've encountered have really been inclusive or they they kind of already have this open mindset where if you know about cricket, you know that's enough. And so I'm lucky to have sort of started off with a good bunch of people around me above me, you know, like guiding me. I and I think volunteering initially during my college semester really helped me out because I was able to figure out what I was good at what I didn't know how to do really and I had people who could sort of train me a little bit and I I think that sort of navigating this thing comes with people around you it's hard to do alone and I was really sort of fortunate to be able to and I think again that volunteering that entire system comes with just cold emailing or like pushing just pushing yourself selling yourself saying that hey I want to do this I know about this here's something I've written in the past things like that and just once you get in then it's like you know you use that to kind of make yourself more credible as the months go on and um, you you know you're right i mean if you face that in england you can imagine in india every sort of student has this sort of pressure on them that you should pursue science you know the standard things and i'm glad that i was able to sort of break away and my parents supported me and they don't again like you know they have no idea really what's going on or what i'm doing recording all these podcasts but they're happy <laughs> and they enjoy it they listen to it and they say that you know one day you're going to become this um, famous journalist in the world of sports and i'm like just wait wait it's not nothing's happened yet but but they're really excited to see that there is this possibility outside of just the conventional professions that indians and karish should do or asians and karish should do so i think it comes with a good support system be your family be it the, the sort of connections that you choose to be around your friends and ultimately your mentors too A hundred percent because you tweeted yesterday as well to me about my mum and stuff because I've made that comment on our introductory kind of podcast like my mum hasn't got a clue what's going on. I did get in a little bit of trouble about that but at the same time I find it quite hard to kind of tell my mum what I'm doing and stuff because like this world is so different to the kind of the world I grew up in and like I'm the only person in my family to have left like my small village and all that kind of stuff. I find it quite hard to relate but then without my mum she used to like drive me across the country playing cricket she used to play herself and well she still does from time to time like if we're short in the club kind of scene she could drive like three hours up to just play a game of kind of 
club cricket. So how important are female role models for you? Yeah, it's extremely important. And I found that even a female role model not being involved in sports has helped me out because a female, you know, um, breaking barriers in any career is already sort of an achievement because we, you know, the men have had a head start. And in that sense, you know, be it my mother, be it my teachers in school, I think they've been really, or even in college, they've been really influential in my life because I've seen that you can do something just bigger than what your label is if you're a teacher you, you just don't have to be a teacher you can be a friend you can be a mentor you can and just yeah things like that I think it's very very important and that's why the one thing that keeps going on in my mind is if we just create more conversation or if we just create more content instantly people see that there are you know three women talking about cricket and that's awesome and that's already something new and the second you do that they start talking about cricket too and it just builds from there and it's just these small things that we can continue doing and I think women are just become role models without doing too much because you're already new in that space. So um, the fact that you are in that space and the fact that you're thriving there is already something to really sort of look up to. And I think anyone who's sort of listening to this, whatever you're doing, just continue doing it because you are already breaking barriers in that sort of field. And I think, you know, even if you didn't have one uh, or you didn't have a female role model, you could become one very quickly and you could have a really big impact on, you know, anyone's life really. So is that what you want to achieve with your platform that you've got, that you want to keep it growing and keep it evolving and getting more people talking about women's cricket? I think that's, um, that, that's why I started, because I started volunteering for a lot of organisations and I started doing so much work and I realised that I'm sort of scattered in the sense that people are not really sure what I'm up to. So initially it was sort of designed, it's called She Talks Ball and it was designed as a platform where I could sort of just store whatever I'm doing so people know that this is what's up. But then I realised that women in sports is more than just the athletes. It's like everyone who's doing things behind the scenes. And it's important to pave a pathway to a journalism sort of role or to you know, a management role or an entrepreneurial role, business women. I mean, it's just packed with different professions within the same industry. So now my priority is to expose people who are sort of following the platform to women in sports, athletes and otherwise, because people behind the scenes also sort of enhance and push the game as much as the ones who are on camera or on field. So um, yeah, it's sort of now directed to be a place where a pathway can be shown and that's why I'm trying to sort of talk to people who are doing unconventional things and not just athletes but are owners or are entrepreneurs or maybe sports agents and how you sort of can get into that field and what it takes to kind of reach there because that's how sort of exposure of the entire industry will grow. And that's exactly why we wanted to get you on like the podcast in relatively early too. So we've only recorded a few episodes so far and we were like, we need to get you on because your energy, your passion is exactly what we're trying to achieve too. But you are only kind of like 20. So how does that kind of feel being still quite young and exciting like future ahead? Do you feel kind of under pressure or are you just thriving on it at the moment? I think I'm thriving on it at the moment, especially because I'll tell you this funny sort of anecdote where I think at the beginning of December, Women's Creek Zone had reached out to me because I had incidentally had volunteered with another organization and interviewed one of the editors. And I was really excited to interview her, obviously. And my sort of interview style was such that since I knew about the game, I didn't want to just be question and answer. It was more like I would ask her and she would give her input and I'd say, yeah, I agree with you and sort of add on to it. So she sort of liked my style of sort of conversing or whatever and then she reached out to me saying do you want to do this freelance role type of thing and I said yeah sure and then and then she started laughing and I was like yeah okay what's happening and she and the founder were on the call with me and they said we were actually going to give you like a full-time role and then we went to LinkedIn and saw you're you're 20 years old and you just come out of school and so I was like kind of (laughs) 
blushing on the call or whatever but um i think um i realized that i do have sort of a knack for creating content when it comes to video content or presenting or things like that so my parents were like sort of blown away with this because um they keep wondering that is this it's like a woman in sport going to be financially stable it's always a question that comes up and um it was exciting to see that uh, they were also excited about this so as of now i'm thriving on it because i have really no expectation i'm still studying full time so i do this sort of just behind the scenes you know once once my books are closed and once the zoom calls end i'm sort of doing this and um i think i'm lucky in the sense that i have these one and a half years of college life to sort of experiment with whatever works what doesn't work and once i sort of have my degree at the end of uh, 2022 i think i'll be able to sort of figure out what i want to maybe study more or get into some sort of work related thing and then just thinking about your kind of degree and everything can you tell us a little bit about what you are studying and where you're studying so i'm studying at ashoka university in india and i'm studying for a bachelor of science in psychology along with a minor in entrepreneurship so this is like an interesting combination that few sort of colleges offer in india and what i sort of take away so i studied science in school like as expected till 12th i did pcm and economics and i was like this is just not working out i don't really enjoy this i managed to like write my exams and everything but i said i want to try something different so i started off with psychology and entrepreneurship and i just have to say i love it and like my parents can see i love it too because i i end up scoring pretty well in it because it just comes naturally and i think psychology and entrepreneurship are two things where you don't sort of narrow your uh, thought process too early in the sense if you study uh, i don't know like maybe chemistry or something you end up just going too focused into one sort of space where psychology can teach you about consumer analytics and entrepreneurship teaches you how to start businesses or how to run businesses like you know how to deal with the government when you are having a startup of your own and i think those sort of things are a great platform for me to then maybe get into anything i want it could be sports journalism it could be something completely different but i think that platform sort of provides me with the opportunity to know enough and um, build on that depending on where i want to go so that's what i'm studying and i'm really enjoying it i get to play obviously when we were on campus we'd play football with my college team for 2 hours every evening so that was great that's probably what i miss the most from campus as if now everything's online but the silver lining again has been that i've been able to sort of pursue my passion outside of studying too you were talking a little bit about how the education system is in india like in england for instance we have degrees where you can go and do sports journalism where you can do broadcast journalism which is what i did so i was just wondering is there any clear pathways in india to do journalism or is it you do your psychology degree and then maybe do a masters yeah it's very much you do a masters in whatever you want it's sort of i think at least i grew up with the mentality that your your undergraduate degree is something that everyone sort of does it's usually a bcom or you know where you get into sort of you get a commerce side of uh, things or you just do a, a bsc or you get into engineering and then the masters is really what you do to get a job it's not something that you come out of school saying hey i can do this undergraduate degree and then get a job so it was similar for me where i think this is just a base that's how sort of even i approach it and then if i get a job well enough but if i don't then i have planned to do a masters eventually and there is really no pathway in india for sports related anything journalism also not too much uh, it's always sort of at the back of our heads that we we'll go overseas to do a journalism or something more specific in sports management or coaching or whatever it may be in terms of a sports degree but um, yeah when you come out of school it's you sort of driven towards engineering or you driven towards you know medical studies but 
So my college again, Ashoka University, has come up recently in the past five six years, and it's based off the Western education system. And I think that's why I was attracted to it because you don't get in with a syllabus and a textbook, and you do that for three years. You're able to mix and match your majors and minors, try courses, drop them. If you don't like it, you know, take something up, go overseas for a semester abroad. There are a lot of options that way. So I think that's what sort of drew me to Ashoka. But you know, when you talk about a pathway into education, into sports education. I still think it's invisible. I don't really know of anything. I find that so interesting as well because it's so different to like kind of my experience. Because growing up, I literally googled like sport universities in like the UK and stuff, and Loughborough came up straight away for me. So I could like plan my kind of sports kind of career immediately. So I'm, I'm kind of taken back a bit that it's not kind of so easy for you and so kind of straightforward. I'd love to get you over to Loughborough because I feel like you would love it because it's just a full kind of thriving campus of sport and it's just so busy and we had um one of my teammates in my first year actually was Aditi Chauhan he's the wow. Indian goalkeeper so I was her roommate for when we went to like on away matches and stuff which is crazy that's, to think now but <laughs> that's amazing because um I I did interview her last August I think about three four months ago and um that was actually so interestingly enough that was my breakout sort of interview it was the first time I did an Instagram live and I was like I don't know how this works I'm hoping she'll come on on time I'm hoping we can hear each other my wi-fi doesn't crash and that was again an opportunity I got through a, a volunteer role and she came on and and basically my entire football team everyone in India sort of look, looks up to her right? she's our national team's goalkeeper my entire football team was freaking out and I said you know I'm going live with Aditi soon and they're like oh we'll join we'll join we'll comment we'll say hi we'll ask questions I said okay cool and then I was like totally like just sweating and then she came on and we just chatted for one hour and it was beautiful and I remember it like so vividly and that's just crazy that this connection just happened where um, you were her roommate on a way trips but yeah so that's sort of the only exposure to Lakhparo is through Aditi Chauhan that I know that you know university like that even exists because we we never sort of driven to it or even exposed to it that this is a possibility in the future but uh, yeah it's really cool to see that um sort of this coincidence has happened yeah because I, I was just thinking when you're talking about football and stuff I was wondering I wondered if you had interviewed Aditi because what she's done since like Loughborough as well was incredible setting up like she kicks still yeah. obviously playing she's kind of turned her Instagram now into more of a kind of an athlete influencer kind of vibe where she's using her like platform for good but also for her own kind of commercial sponsorship which is obviously so important for athletes and perhaps something that we don't see enough of within the women's sports space just supporting athletes to kind of have their careers but also have something else to fall back on so that's something that I'm quite interested in with my research like how athletes are using social media and how they manage it and deal with it have you got any kind of thoughts on that side of it as well when it comes to social media how powerful do you think it is for athletes specifically I think you know as with anything social media also has its pros and cons I think uh, it's very very important to harness the pros of it and use it because even when it comes to let's say women's football which I do follow very closely Megan Rapinoe and there are other like star athletes that do talk about very important things equal pay you know racism homophobia there's a lot of things that go on beyond on the field activities and I think it, it shows the athlete to be a person and not just be a person who plays and then you know is not seen ever again so I think when it comes to social media even with Aditi Chauhan we never really saw the Indian women's team at camp. Their games are never streamed on our TVs or, you know, anything of that sort. So the fact that now she's showing us how she trains, she's showing us what she eats, she's showing us behind the scene clips from the India camp, it just exposes us to the entire 
sort of setup of the Indian women. And then, you know, we've got, India's got sort of rights to host the Under-17 Women's World Cup and the AFC Women's Championship in 2022. So those are really big steps. And I think all of that is linked to higher viewership of the Indian athletes. And that is linked to the athletes being more visible. That comes with them sort of exposing themselves on social media in, in moderate amounts, because I think India is also a very sort of nascent body when it comes to women athletes in general. We've had some Olympic success, but other than that, we, we don't really see our women on TV. It's like the sad truth. And that's something that we want to change. So I think social media plays a really, really big sort of role. And, you know, it blows my mind that even with She Talks Ball, I was reaching out to a few athletes and I was, I was in the middle of my class and I was thinking, It'd be so cool if I could talk to this woman from the Women's Super League in England. And I just sort of DM'd her agent. And she replied saying, yeah, cool, just send me an email. I was like, they're so accessible. That's crazy. And it's crazy because women who are playing at such a high level shouldn't be this accessible. They should be, you know, they should have like much more sort of security when it comes to agents and all. But the fact is that they are so accessible because no one knows them enough. And I think it's all linked. So in a way, it was good that she was so accessible because I could then reach out and sort of hear her stories and things like that. But I want to also see a day where they are big superstars, just like the men are, because that's really when the the corporates and the administration side of it gets involved much more heavily. You briefly touched on racism. So I just wanted to get your opinion on what happened in Australia. Do you think that we should still be having these problems in 2021? Or do you think that racism is a thing of a past and the fans just need to move with the times and stop this behaviour? Yeah, I think there's just no space for this in 2021 or 2000 even. I mean, I think it's just, I don't, I just, I can't fathom where it comes from. I just can't figure it out. And I, I get that people, I wonder, I really wonder if it comes from some internal pain that people are fa- fear, like facing or they feel superior because of the color of their skin. I just, it blows my mind. And I think there's absolutely no space for it. But at the same time, I think the way the Indian men who face this racism responded, it's testament to how athletes have that sort of way of blocking out everything that they need to block out. And Hopefully the people who um, were involved in an activity are caught and fined appropriately. But I think there's just absolutely no space for it. I think even with going over to the US, the football setup especially, it's very, very, and the WNBA setup, in fact, they are very, very vocal when it comes to things outside of their sport. And recently the WNBA sort of flipped the Georgia Senate with their activism and and the NWSL, which is the Women's Football League, actually, you know, sort of took a knee during the national anthem every time they came out for a game. So, and the fact that we're talking about it right now shows that they are having an impact and people across the globe are sort of covering it and realizing that they're doing something um, which is important to do. But I think that racism, homophobia, you know, these things are just, the only explanation I can think of is that it comes from some deeper pain within the individual. And yeah, I hope that sort of that pain also just, you know, goes away for that person. They shouldn't be suffering like that, but they should not be putting their pain on other people in that manner too. Completely agree. Like, I know this is kind of like a bad way to look at it, but I, I just feel really sorry for those individuals sometimes because I'm just like, it's so, it's just, it's just so sad that they have to see the world in that way. And it's just because they're missing out on such a huge part of kind of different people's cultures and just differences between people that makes kind of like human life so beautiful, I think. But I just want to bring it back slightly a bit more to cricket again. You mentioned there about obviously that like athlete activism. What do you think about cricket when it comes to kind of like athlete activism, especially within like the women's game and the kind of the role of activism? And do you think there's enough of it going on to call out inequalities? I think 
the activism stage of an athlete comes after you've sort of achieved a certain athlete stage and that not just being a personal stage but also a stage of recognition from everyone and coverage and things like that and i think the women are just hitting that in terms of uh, breaking records at world cups attendance figures you know winning world cups i think world cups are always a sore spot for indian team fans but i think as soon as you do that you become sort of not just a player who plays a sport but you become someone who i look up to now and whatever you say and anything you talk about outside of cricket it's going to become important and it's going to enhance the game for the people who come after you so i think uh, as you mentioned open lgbt relationships now i think that's that's big that's massive because it makes a person who's coming in so comfortable and there are instances of people not even coming into sport because they fear of what what's going to happen in the dressing room or in the locker room and i think that that entire fear being taken away when it comes to women in sports in general i think across many sports that's that's the reality that it's very very inclusive and i think that now is sort of the time where we know a lot more about the nat sivers or the meg lanings and what they're doing you know in a year of no cricket what they've been up to means that they have viewership on them even outside of cricket and that's the time where you harness it and say that hey i want to talk about this too and i'm going to do that as well i think alisa healy megan shure i think they talk about quite a few different things they're very vocal when it comes to issues around the world and i think it's just going to grow from there i think the indian women specifically are still sort of they're very young so i think they're still hitting that athlete stage where we follow them outside of cricket and as soon as you hit that and as soon as they sort of believe that themselves too that's when they're going to start their activism stage and i think that's a really important sort of step up and it's a crucial step up i don't see it too much within the indian setup yet but i hope that the indian seeing players from around the world doing it eventually sort of step up and take on that responsibility too it is a responsibility i guess but it's also kind of like not putting too much pressure on that athlete at the same time i guess because at the end of the day they are professional players and their job is to kind of do the sport so i i think sometimes i'm a bit worried but i do like have a bit of an idea of what they should be doing and that's a bit unfair perhaps sometimes but i've seen from your profile and stuff that you've traveled around watching the games in england as well so can you tell us a little bit about that experience yeah so i actually sort of landed a volunteer role with or an internship with icc during the the men's world cup in 2019 so i flew over to england for 6 weeks and and i sort of realized that the women's ashes was going on too and there was no way i was going to miss that so while i had a really sort of enriching experience working with the sort of digital sponsorship team at icc for the world cup i also on the off day sort of went over to canterbury or the sort of more um, i took a train and you know went outside of london to to watch the women's ashes uh, I, w- i watched one game that was i think historic for elise perry and it was just amazing to me to see it and i think what stood out to me was the fact that the women come over to the boundary line after the game they chat with the people they you know take photos they sign anything you want them to sign and i spoke to danny wire that told her that i had watched her at the women's t20 challenge over in india the year before i'd gone for the final and i saw her i'd seen her play too so she was like oh that's really cool and i think the fact that they're so approachable i mean it's just beautiful because a player that's so approachable i think you grow the sport like 20 fold or 100 fold because the entire line of kids there who i kind of chatted with too they were they were blown away and i think i was blown away too being just 18 years old i think um that that factor that experience is something that i'll never forget like let alone the, the children who are younger than me seeing that happen and taking pictures with them so i think you know it's a double edged sword where 
as they grow, they'll become less approachable. But I want them to grow and I want them to sort of be on our TVs regularly too. So it was really nice to be able to catch them in a phase where they come over and, you know, they chat with you. But I want to see the stadiums fill up the next time around if I go for a game and not just like a boundary line with people um, with their sun hats and chairs chilling out. I think I want like tickets just to be sold out. But yeah, that experience was fantastic and I'm keen to sort of go back, maybe um, I'm planning something where I come to Birmingham in the Commonwealth Games and it's easier to catch a lot of games in one location. But uh, we'll see how that pans out. But yeah, I, I mean, that's an experience of a lifetime. I don't think I take any sort of women's match for granted. I just wanted to quickly ask you, as you immerse yourself in the British culture when you came over, I wanted to get your opinions on what it's like watching cricket in England and what it's like watching cricket in India. Ooh, that's a great question. I think uh, I can compare watching the Women's T20 Challenge final over in Jaipur and then watching the Ashes game in Canterbury. I think, for one, the tickets were free in India because a lot of matches aren't sort of people don't show up to stadium. So the fact that they had the stadium just open to anyone, it was packed. It was like overflowing, packed till the brim. Obviously, weather is very different. So it's um, like a sweaty atmosphere there. But at the same time, very loud, very noisy. Really, you, you see that cricket is just within the blood of the Indians. You know, it can be kids playing cricket, but at the end of the day, it's cricket and you're in a stadium, you have an atmosphere of like a professional game going on. That was, I think that was fantastic. And I sort of experienced that about, four months before I went over to England and then I went over to England you know very different in terms of let's say I traveled alone for two hours I was just 18 so it was very safe I think trains are on time that's a big thing over there there's not too much of punctuality in public transport here but I went over and obviously like I've heard things that people say that oh you know be careful because there are some sort of rowdy comments that can be made in stadiums and things like that but I I had a wonderful experience I think and I do want to build my sort of understanding of things based on my experience I mean because that's really the atmosphere that I was in and yeah it was it was a fantastic experience I think I sat next to this old gentleman who was really involved in the game and uh, we got to chatting about who's going to take the next wicket and things like that so I think obviously the entire approach to the stadium was much more sort of serene and leisurely and not like you're fighting to get up the stairs and find your seat, which is the case in India quite a few times. But I think both situations have their own charm. And I can't say I enjoyed one over the other because I, I, got, to so, I got to see like world-class athletes in both stadiums and a really great game of cricket. I'm just hoping that I can do that more often and sort of make it a habit and get more people involved into watching it too. Something that's popped up in my research, so I've been looking back at the kind of World Cups of the past, and I think it was 1997, was that hosted in India? But there was crowds of like 20,000 at Eden Gardens. So when I'm reading with my research that there's been huge kind of crowds in the past, I kind of get a little bit confused why it's never been sustained. And the other thing as well is hearing kind of from former players they've spoke about when they've gone to India, the crowds have always been amazing and everybody's been so respectful and there's just one language in India and that's cricket. And to me, I'm like, this sounds amazing. But then at the same time, you've kind of hinted that there isn't the pathways and stuff. So what do you think has hindered the growth within India? Yeah, I think I have to sort of bring this up where the Federation does not sort of treat both sides equally, I would say. I mean, they do put in a lot of money to the women, but the women are 
often an afterthought and you know you see that where the fixtures are at tuesday at noon where everyone's at work or at school and there's like no way anyone's going to reach a stadium in peak afternoon to watch a game right so i think just th- small things like that where you can change fixtures to a friday evening or a saturday evening and just expose the game i think now women's cricket is on tv to be fair so it's very accessible just by you know clicking a button but filling up stadiums is an important thing and it comes with planning well and planning in advance which i think we still need to work on our our tours still keep getting cancelled and you know we we don't have any visibility our women i mean it's their job to play cricket they don't have any visibility on when they're going to be doing that next so i think that's one like very important thing another important thing i would say is i was reading this report by one of like well known indian former cricketer now sort of a content creator in the cricketing space it's called an equal hue and it talks about the indian women's cricketing team and it's very interesting to note that obviously a lot of our facilities are concentrated in the urban cities but a lot of our players come out of rural backgrounds and people are wondering why that happens and i think it's because there is no pathway so they don't see a need to go to a delhi or to a bombay to play but it's just that fire in their belly that makes them the best and then they manage to do it so imagine if you know i was interviewing ananya from women's cricket zone and she said something really interesting she said the women in india make it to the top despite the system not because of it so imagine when you provide them you provide the talent with the pathway say just do this and then climb here and climb here and climb here what kind of talent we'll produce and i think that's really sort of crucial to see it's interesting to note that you know our talent comes out of uh, rural areas or not so developed cities whereas all our facilities our coaches and the money invested into grassroots is within the you know the delhi mumbai setup so it's just again you know it, sh- it should not be despite the system it should be because of the system and the second we do that we'll win that world cup instead of sort of fading out in the final and we'll make more semi finals it won't just be a one time thing or a two time thing so 100% because it's one of those that people keep saying it's a chicken and egg kind of conversation isn't it but without that funding and without the resources we can never kind of progress and there's so much kind of comparison to the men's game always and it's always kind of like the men's game is perhaps used to well we're not as good as the men so that's why we're not going to fund it or we don't get as many crowds in because the men get this amount of people whereas the women don't and that's just a lazy excuse i think so what do you think needs to be done and what's your kind of hopes for the future when it comes to women's cricket both in india and globally i think the key would be uh, investing and i think because that's not just a one time thing as soon as you invest you have viewership that grows and as soon as people see oh, a lot of people there's a demand for this you sort of you have sponsors come in you have media coverage and as soon as that happens you then have more viewership and then it sort of just sort of builds from there the cycle gets bigger it's like a snowball effect i think as soon as that happens when there's demand for cricket in india or for women's cricket in india we get to host world cups the second we get to host world cups our stadiums will be full for sure and you know because a world cup is planned in a much more structured manner and so um, i think it's important to just start that cycle and not not say that i've put in money where are my returns because when we initially might have put in money for the men's sort of thing we didn't get it returns immediately and a lot of people you know compare men and women right now you have to sort of compare the women's team to maybe the men's team 25 years ago or 30 years ago when that much money was being put into them and not you know the amount that's put in today because you can't compare outputs if the inputs are different i mean that doesn't work like that so i think everything comes from investing and in showing intent and just 
you know, we need the BCCI to put out statements. We need, we just don't have too much of accountability right now. It's it's quite sad. And I think um, as soon as that starts and people get invested, there is a market for it. I mean, you know, that's why we're having this conversation because there is a market for women who want to, or people who want to hear about women's cricket and people want to watch it too. We've seen that with attendance figures across the globe. So yeah, investment, there's no, there's no other answer. Just quickly to round up, we just wanted to ask you a few fun questions. So who's been your favourite person to interview so far? Sean Kelly, who is uh, the coach of the Argentinian women's team. I had the pleasure of sort of chatting with her through the Women's Creek Zone platform. And it was fantastic. I mean, she is just 23 years old and she's coaching a national team. And I spoke to her about what it's like being so young and kind of having a team that's younger than you, but also older than you and grouping them and, you know, training them together. And I think she sort of told us about the her setup in Argentina, what the culture is like. And I think it was supposed to be a 15-minute chat, but it ended up being a 30-minute chat. And uh, although it's a little recent, so I remember it much better, but I think it's one of my favorite chats because... I got off that uh, that sort of broadcast and I immediately, so she spoke about a fundraiser and I guess I can plug that in here too, where they have a fundraiser to raise money for their team and if they raise $2,000 or pounds, I believe, uh, they can sort of fund their team for the qualifiers coming up. And I immediately told my parents that I want to like get on that link and donate right now. And I keep bringing my parents in because like I'm dependent on them still for everything. <laughs> but yeah, and she was just like an inspiration to me I think it was really awesome to see a, a woman so young in sport doing something so awesome so she would have to be like my favorite I think Aditi Chauhan's a close second but yeah Shan Kelly for now obviously the Indian cricket team both the men's and the women's teams have been successful in their own rights and um, who's been your favorite cricketer to watch because I think for me personally you can't go wrong without saying Sachin Tendulkar and Raul Dravid which I was very lucky to see them in 2011 in Hove. Mm, that's interesting so I sort of skipped the Tendulkar frenzy era and uh, I've sort of grown up on the Kohli frenzy era so I would have to say Virat Kohli I think he's just you know apart from his name and fame and everything he's he's earned that and I think it's fantastic to see him but from the women's setup you know it's been about three four years that I've closely followed them now it's gonna be really hard to pick I think Poonam Yadav I think she's um she's a sort of leg spinner for India and sort of always not in, too much in the limelight because she's not the captain or she's not the opening order batter or, you know, the one with the biggest social media profile. But I think in terms of cricket and her ability to just switch a game and flip it on its head, I'd have to sort of say Poonam Yadav just for her performances and, and how sort of I feel safe when I see her in our lineup. Like, I feel like, okay, I can just take a breath and sit down and this match will be fun to, to watch. But, you know, obviously the, all the other women are like fantastic. I'm going to quickly steal a question before Alex says one in a second as well, because... I was so privileged and so lucky to go to the T20 World Cup back in February last year. And unfortunately, I wasn't at that Australia-India match. But hearing about it and getting all the updates free, it was crazy because I think everybody kind of just assumed Australia would win because they're so dominant. And that was like a major upset. And it was so early on as well. And like you said, like Yadav was unbelievable. It was like four minutes <laughs> or something. Yeah, it was something just completely crazy like that. And just the game ended within 20 minutes. I was like, what's happening? And the game was over. It was quite awesome. What did you think of that kind of tournament as well? Because obviously India had an unbelievable kind of group stage and then they got to the final and then kind of didn't turn up. So it was a little yeah. bit disappointing, but... 
what do you think? And also, oh my God, I've completely forgotten her name. 16-year-old batter, Shafali Verma. What a machine. Like, you must be so excited for the future of cricket in India. Because- yeah, I think it's it's fantastic. And going back to that T20 World Cup, we had a golden run. And somewhere at the back of my mind, I was thinking that, is it too good to be true? Because we came with such a young squad, you know, our veterans had just sort of retired from the T20 format. And we came in with new leadership, with new young talent and Shifali Verma and, you know, the others coming around. And that first game really set the standard. I think we cruised through the group stage. And I have to, as an Indian fan, apologize to you if you're, if you're an English fan, because the semi-final was disappointing. I think as a cricket fan, it was disappointing. I really hoped that there would be a reserve day or something, a little more better planned structure. But unfortunately, it wasn't. And maybe that sort of kicked into a... The momentum was completely halted for India. And going into that that final, we were outclassed from the first power play, you know. I'm still reeling from that uh, Alyssa Healy knock. I think it'll take me another year to get over it. But I think that it's a good experience for our young lineup. And I think it's important that from that momentum, we develop our domestic leagues better and we get them playing consistently and not just a month-long tournament somewhere along the way. Because that's when we'll sort of flourish in the coming World Cups. And it won't just be a same story where we fly and then we just sort of dip at the end. So that World Cup was fantastic. I think the young talent coming, as you mentioned, Shafali Verma, you know, that talent, she was suddenly exposed to so much of like headlines and so much spotlight that, you know, it's it's not easy. It takes a toll on a person. And she didn't show up at the World Cup final and we sort of remember her for that, not for everything else she did before that. So I think it's important to sort of also cut some stack because she's very new to this entire thing and it's easy to ride on the highs and then completely trash a player when they you know mess up one game but credit to Australia I think they played fantastic fantastic cricket as usual and what a celebration after that with Katy Perry and the whole setup I think that was that was fantastic yeah all in all a fantastic World Cup for women's cricket in general and I think India can take a lot from it too. Where do you see and hope women's cricket is going to go in the next two to five years? That's a great question. I, I I mean, the ultimate hope is that it reaches that level of stardom or fame as the men's game does, where when I tell you cricket, you ask me which one, you know, men's or women's. It's not men's cricket. It's not cricket and women's cricket. It's just cricket in general. And you have to sort of, I hope that that default is broken, like, you know, as soon as possible. And that will again come with that whole cycle of putting money and getting more viewers. But that would be just fantastic where, you know, I'm waiting for the day where someone asks me like, oh, with football, someone asks me, what club do you support? And I'll say Chelsea. And they'll be like, oh, have you heard about this player? And I'm like, no, I, I don't know the men's team. I asked about the women's team, but you have to like explicitly mention that. And I'm hoping that that sort of default or that bias is broken instantly. And, you know, Apart from that, the future of women's cricket has to be better scheduled games, no cancelled tours, people fighting to buy tickets. I think that's really the epitome of a good sort of sporting tournament. Have you got any other questions, Alex, or should we wrap up? No, I'm just going to say, though, that's epic, though, that you support Chelsea, because I know a lot of people in India, they tend to support Man United because that's just what is shown over there. Like, my cousin's a Man United fan, and I was like, you've just brought utter disgrace on the family. Because <laughs> I was joking, of course, but he took it all in good jest because he's not much younger than you. He's 18, so... It's all it's all fun and games. Just quickly, where can our listeners find you on social media if they want to get in contact or if they want to follow your progress? So my personal handle is at Radhalat Gupta. That's R-A-D-H-A-L-A-T-H-G-U-P-T-A on Twitter and on Instagram. And my sort of personal project is at She Talks Ball on Twitter and Instagram as well. And YouTube where I sort of put up snippets occasionally of women I chat to. But yeah, that's where you can find me and I'll be happy to sort of get in contact. I've recently discovered that Twitter and Instagram are like great places to meet people as like I met Hannah there too a few 
but yeah i'm always sort of happy to chat with people who are interested in sort of learning about and perfect well that kind of brings us to a natural kind of close now like we've spoken about so much which i kept messaging alex like i've got goosebumps honestly like everything you're saying is so what i'm passionate about and so kind of similar and stuff and it's just amazing to hear somebody who's so many thousand miles away having the same kind of ambitions that we have and vice versa and everything so honestly i need to like calm down because i'm getting so kind of like it's it's amazing to actually kind of meet you and stuff because that's the power of social media now because we connected over twitter i've met so many amazing people over twitter it's it's mad isn't it like you can meet people you can get them on a zoom like this you can record a podcast you can share the message far and wide now which yeah, I can just quickly, I think I have to say this, that content creation is so easy in today's age and it's such a valuable tool to further anything, like whatever you're talking about, you just you just record something, you talk about it, you create conversation on it and instantly it grows. So I think it's so easy to do something like that in today's age and we're also connected across the globe now. I think it's there's just no excuse to sort of, you know, pick up the phone and chat with someone and enhance your topic or your cause in whatever way you can. Well, that's why I like. I thought I'd reach out, and that's why I wanted to get you on so early because your kind of message is amazing. And like you say, like literally, just content. Content is power. Content can change perceptions. It can start conversations. There's so much amazing work that can be done just by purely doing an interview, recording a podcast, sharing some photos. I think. That's what I've realised within the domestic game in England for the players is they don't have content creators capturing their like their training moments. So it's kind of left to them slash team managers to try and capture everything, which is obviously really difficult if there's no dedicated role. So the more that we start seeing more people getting involved with that kind of side of the media and getting more photos, doing more stuff like this, the better it will be. Yeah, thank you so much. That's, that's really sweet of you. And that's really the hope, you know, the fact that you can sit at home and, and do something like this, imagine when when everything's, you know, fine, hopefully soon enough, and uh, we can get together as a unit of women in sports and just just boost this entire thing, like pick it off the ground and make a vertical sort of change. That'll be fantastic. Um, and I think there is capability, there is demand for it at the top. So we know that we can sort of shoot it up there. And there's power. I think content is power, as you said. So um, yeah, it's, it's just been great chatting with both of you. And yeah, hopefully, you know, I get to listen to a lot more of your podcasts very soon because they're, they're quite cool. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I say like, we're so new to this as well. Like we're still learning, we're still developing. So any tips that you've got, please send them our way because it's a learning process, isn't it, Alec? Definitely. And you never know, we might get you back on at some point as well. Oh, that'll be, that'll be fantastic. Completely up for it. Yeah, I think, um, you know, I, I love chatting about the women's game. I think I, I do it too much. Yeah, <laughs> I, I need to kind of control. But yeah, I think it's fantastic. And there's a lot of exposure as soon as um, you get, you know, new faces talking about a certain thing. And yeah, I'm excited to see where this sort of takes off very soon. Oh, thank you so, so much for getting involved. And we'll let you escape so you can enjoy the rest of your day and everything. Oh, it's, it's been my pleasure. Thank you for having me on. Massive thank you to Rada for being a guest on the podcast. It's amazing what she's achieved so far at just 20 years old. And to all our listeners, if you want to keep up to date with everything we're doing, you can follow us on Twitter at WCricketChat and on Instagram at Women's Cricket Chat. And if you want to give us a like on Facebook, we are Women's Cricket Chat. And if you wanted to give our personal Twitters a follow, Hannah is at Hannity1194 and I'm at Alex Jane Pereira. This has been Women's Cricket Chat. Tune in next time. Oh, 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 oh,